0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Today's reading by Kara Schallenberg. www.k.ray.org. A Journey to the Interior of the Earth by Jules Verne. CHAPTER 43 shot out of a volcano at last. Yes, our compass was no longer a guide. The needle flew from pole to pole with a kind of frenzied impulse. It ran round the dial and spun hither and thither, as if it were giddy or intoxicated. I knew quite well that, according to the best-received theories, the mineral covering of the globe is never at absolute rest. The changes brought about by the chemical decomposition of its component parts, the agitation caused by great liquid torrents, and the magnetic currents, are continually tending to disturb it, even when living beings upon its surface may fancy that all is quiet below. A phenomenon of this kind would not have greatly alarmed me, or, at any rate, it would not have given rise to dreadful apprehensions. But other facts— Other circumstances of a peculiar nature came to reveal to me by degrees the true state of the case. There came incessant and continuous explosions. I could only compare them to the loud rattle of a long train of chariots driven at full speed over the stones, or a roar of unintermitting thunder. Then the disordered compass, thrown out of gear by the electric currents, confirmed me in a growing conviction. THE MINERAL CRUST OF THE GLOBE THREATENED TO BURST UP, THE GRANITE FOUNDATIONS TO COME TOGETHER WITH A CRASH. THE FISSURE THROUGH WHICH WE WERE HELPLESSLY DRIVEN WOULD BE FILLED UP, THE VOID WOULD BE FULL OF CRUSHED FRAGMENTS OF ROCK, AND WE POOR, WRETCHED MORTALS WERE TO BE BURIED AND ANNIHILATED IN THIS DREADFUL CONSUMMATION. "'MY UNCLE!' I cried. "'WE ARE LOST NOW, UTTERLY LOST.' "'What are you in a fright about now?' was the calm rejoinder. "'What is the matter with you?' "'The matter? Look at those quaking walls! Look at those shivering rocks! Don't you feel the burning heat? Don't you see how the water boils and bubbles? Are you blind, to the dense vapours and steam growing thicker and denser every minute? See this agitated compass-needle. It is an earthquake that is threatening us.' My undaunted uncle calmly shook his head. "'Do you think,' said he, "'an earthquake is coming?' "'I do.' "'Well, I think you are mistaken.' "'What? Don't you recognize the symptoms?' "'Of an earthquake? No, I am looking out for something better.' "'What can you mean? Explain.' "'It is an eruption, Axel.' "'An eruption?' "'Do you mean to affirm that we are running up the shaft of a volcano?' "'I believe we are,' said the indomitable professor, with an air of perfect self-possession. "'And it is the best thing that could possibly happen to us under our circumstances.' "'The best thing? Was my uncle Stark mad? What did the man mean, and what was the use of saying facetious things at a time like this?' "'What?' I shouted. "'Are we being taken up in an eruption? "'Our fate has flung us here among burning lavas, "'molten rocks, boiling waters, "'and all kinds of volcanic matter. "'We are going to be pitched out, expelled, "'tossed up, vomited, spit out high into the air, "'along with fragments of rock, showers of ashes and scoria, "'in the midst of a towering rush of smoke and flames.' and it is the best thing that could happen to us?' "'Yes,' replied the Professor, eyeing me over his spectacles. "'I don't see any other way of reaching the surface of the earth.' "'I pass rapidly over the thousand ideas which passed through my mind. My uncle was right, undoubtedly right, and never had he seemed to me more daring—' and more confirmed in his notions than at this moment when he was calmly contemplating the chances of being shot out of a volcano. In the meantime, up we went. The night passed away in continual ascent. The din and uproar around us became more and more intensified. I was stifled and stunned. I thought my last hour was approaching, and yet imagination is such a strong thing— "'that even in this supreme hour I was occupied with strange and almost childish speculations. "'But I was the victim, not the master, of my own thoughts. "'It was very evident that we were being hurried upward upon the crest of a wave of eruption. "'Beneath our raft were boiling waters, "'and under these the more sluggish lava was working its way up in a heated mass.' together with shoals of fragments of rock which, when they arrived at the crater, would be dispersed in all directions, high and low. We were imprisoned in the shaft or chimney of some volcano. There was no room to doubt of that. But this time, instead of snaefell an extinct volcano, we were inside one in full activity. I wondered, therefore, where could this mountain be? and in what part of the world we were to be shot out. I made no doubt but that it would be in some northern region. Before its disorders set in, the needle had never deviated from that direction. From Cape Suknesem we had been carried due north for hundreds of leagues. Were we under Iceland again? Were we destined to be thrown up out of Hecla? or by which of the seven other fiery craters in that island? Within a radius of five hundred leagues to the west, I remembered under this parallel of latitude only the imperfectly known volcanoes of the northeast coast of America. To the east there was only one in the eightieth degree of north latitude, the Esk, in Jan Mayen Island, not far from Spitzbergen. Certainly there was no lack of craters— and there were some capacious enough to throw out a whole army, but I wanted to know which of them was to serve us for an exit from the inner world. Towards morning the ascending movement became accelerated. If the heat increased, instead of diminishing, as we approached nearer to the surface of the globe, this effect was due to local causes alone, and those volcanic. The manner of our locomotion left no doubt in my mind— An enormous force, a force of hundreds of atmospheres, generated by the extreme pressure of confined vapours, was driving us irresistibly forward. But to what numberless dangers it exposed us! Soon lurid lights began to penetrate the vertical gallery, which widened as we went up. Right and left I could see deep channels, like huge tunnels, out of which escaped dense volumes of smoke. Tongues of fire lapped the walls, which crackled and sputtered under the intense heat. "'See! see, my uncle!' I cried. "'Well, those are only sulphureous flames and vapours, which one must expect to see in an eruption. They are quite natural.' "'But suppose they should wrap us round?' "'But they won't wrap us round.' "'But we shall be stifled.' "'We shall not be stifled at all. "'The gallery is widening, and if it becomes necessary we shall abandon the raft, and creep "'into a crevice.' "'But the water, the rising water!' "'There is no more water, Axel, only a lava paste, which is bearing us up on its surface "'to the top of the crater.' "'The liquid column had indeed disappeared.' to give place to dense and still boiling eruptive matter of all kinds. The temperature was becoming unbearable. A thermometer exposed to this atmosphere would have marked one hundred fifty degrees. The perspiration streamed from my body, but for the rapidity of our ascent we should have been suffocated. But the professor gave up his idea of abandoning the raft, and it was well he did. However roughly joined together, those planks afforded us a firmer support than we could have found anywhere else. About eight in the morning, a new incident occurred. The upward movement ceased. The raft lay motionless. What is this? I asked, shaken by this sudden stoppage, as if by a shock. It is a halt, replied my uncle. "'Is the eruption checked?' I asked. "'I hope not.' I rose, and tried to look around me. Perhaps the raft itself, stopped in its course by a projection, was staying the volcanic torrent. If this were the case, we should have to release it as soon as possible. But it was not so. The blast of ashes, scorics, and rubbish had ceased to rise. "'Has the eruption stopped?' "'I cried. "'Ah!' said my uncle, between his clenched teeth. "'You are afraid. "'But don't alarm yourself. "'This lull cannot last long. "'It has lasted now five minutes, "'and in a short time we shall resume our journey "'to the mouth of the crater.' "'As he spoke, the professor continued to consult his chronometer, "'and he was again right in his prognostications.' The raft was soon hurried and driven forward with a rapid but irregular movement, which lasted about ten minutes, and then stopped again. "'Very good,' said my uncle. "'In ten minutes more we shall be off again, for our present business lies with an intermittent volcano. It gives us time now and then to take a breath.' This was perfectly true." When the ten minutes were over, we started off again with renewed and increased speed. We were obliged to lay fast hold of the planks of the raft, not to be thrown off. Then again, the paroxysm was over. I have since reflected upon this singular phenomenon, without being able to explain it. At any rate, it was clear that we were not in the main shaft of the volcano, but in a lateral gallery, where there were felt recurrent tunes of reaction. How often this operation was repeated I cannot say. All I know is, that at each fresh impulse we were hurled forward, with a greatly increased force, and we seemed as if we were mere projectiles. During the short halts we were stifled with the heat. Whilst we were being projected forward, the hot air almost stopped my breath." I thought for a moment how delightful it would be to find myself carried suddenly into the Arctic regions, with a cold thirty degrees below the freezing-point. My overheated brain conjured up visions of white plains of cool snow, where I might roll and allay my feverish heat. Little by little my brain, weakened by so many constantly repeated shocks, seemed to be giving way altogether but for the strong arm of Hans, I should more than once have had my head broken against the granite roof of our burning dungeon. I have therefore no exact recollection of what took place during the following hours. I have a confused impression left of continuous explosions, loud detonations, a general shaking of the rocks all around us, and of a spinning movement with which our raft was once whirled helplessly around. It rocked upon the lava torrent amidst a dense fall of ashes. Snorting flames darted their fiery tongues at us. There were wild fierce puffs of stormy wind from below, resembling the blasts of vast iron furnaces blowing all at one time. And I caught a glimpse of the figure of Hans lighted up by the fire— and all the feeling I had left was just what I imagine must be the feeling of an unhappy criminal, doomed to be blown away alive from the mouth of a cannon, just before the trigger is pulled, and the flying limbs and rags of flesh and skin fill the quivering air, and spatter the blood-stained ground. End of chapter 43 Recorded on November 14th, 2005 in Oceanside, California.